and welcome to The Dirt in association with the National Trust. This is the podcast that doesn't mind if you've got ants in your plants. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm deputy editor Blake. We've got some simple seasonal tasks coming up as well as the chance to get 10% off everything on the National Trust online shop. But first, let's head to the Big Garden Clinic with Simon Toomer from the National Trust, where he'll be answering your top gardening questions. Hi, Simon. Hello, everyone. Hi, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Yes, yes, it's a lovely day out here in, in, in the Cotswolds where I live. Oh, beautiful. Well, we will dive straight in with some of the big gardening questions for this week. Um, we've been messaged on Instagram by Rochelle, who has asked, My family's new allotment plot has really dry, sandy soil. What can I do to improve it? I mean, sandy soils have some advantages. They're very easy to work and well-drained. And and for some plants, you know, they really suit them. But there's two, two, I suppose, real issues with sandy soils usually that that, that limit them. Um, One is, you know, they they tend to be very, very free-draining. So water retention is can be a problem and so you know drought is is exacerbated and the other really is nutrition you know the fact that they they are so free draining often means that nutrients get washed washed away very easily so the solution really um is are related you know to, to to those things and and really what what sandy soils need most is um addition of organic material particularly organic material that contains an element of nutrients so we're talking like you know so often so often in gardening about um adding compost um or well well rotted manure really those 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 are the solutions and and you know through most of the year um that's possible now's a good time to to be doing that but um you know most of the most most times in the year are suitable for adding organic material because that both helps to to retain moisture you know organic material does hold on to to water but also if you're adding adding the kind of material that has um, a nutrient content that also helps best not to add things like wood chip you know because that that tends to be quite um well it's very it's very obviously it's organic but it tends Mm. to be high in carbon but not really have have much of the other nutrients so so I, I would say you know if you make your own compost that's going to be the ideal thing but otherwise try and try and find some um some really well rotted manure to put on and when you're adding in that um organic matter how long would you expect that to sort of actually um take effect is it kind of a a little and often type of approach to that well i think most most people sort of add add a you know a good a goodly amount once a year really Mm -hmm. um so often putting it onto the surface about now or sometimes you know sometimes even even in the spring but um it's and if if you put it on this time of year, it has the advantage that if you've got worms in the soil, you know they will tend to incorporate it for you. Mm. Um, so, so people often put on, you know, and I would recommend, you know, a, a, maybe a couple of inches, uh, you know, as as a mulch, and maybe digging it in a little bit, but but letting nature take its course and slowly draw that into the soil. That's great, Simon. That's such good advice. Thank you. And on moving on to our next question that's come in from Ian, who is from Lincolnshire. He said that his strawberry plants are looking really healthy, but they haven't fruited at all this year. Do you know why that might be? Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a few possible reasons for that. But um, strawberry plants, like a lot of other plants, you know, it, very often to be able to really understand why they 
you know, they fruit well is, is to look back at, you know, how they've been previously. And mm. um, strawberries usually set um, in, in late summer in the previous year. You know, the flower buds are usually set in, in quite a long time in advance. Mm. So what you need is, 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 is plants that have been healthy, you know, in the previous year. M- most people grow strawberries as perennials, you know, for, for, for a three or four year period before before changing them and moving them on into a different part of the garden. So the important thing is that they were healthy in the previous year. So for that, they need to be well fed and watered and growing well. And then, you know, that should then, that should then lead to good flowering that some of the following spring and then, and then, and then good fruiting. So sometimes, you know, if, 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 if plants haven't, haven't had that opportunity the year before, then that can be a problem and maybe, you know, just leaving them, leaving them, um, and hoping for the best for next year by, by feeding and watering them well this year should sort that out. Yeah. The other possibility or not another possibility is that, um, you know, sometimes in springtime, those, those vulnerable buds could, can get, can get damaged, uh, by frost or sometimes, you know, prolonged periods of bad weather or, um, you know, and another one, another possibility is again, strawberries flowers are, you know, they, they rely on pollination to, to set good fruit. And sometimes if, if the weather's not suitable for pollinating insects, you know, you can have a problem as well. So my, my advice would be, you know, I'm sure nothing's broken. It really just look after those plants, make sure they have a healthy, you know, a healthy, uh, uh, time for, 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 um, making sure that they have that the uh, you know the, the the flower buds make it through the winter and 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 um, you know they should lead to successful fruiting next year. And should they be covered up over over, over the winter, right? They they can be, but um, strawberry plants are, are you know they're they're reasonably tough. It depends. Mm. They, they don't like sort of um, really really strong exposed um, cold winds. So so in in some areas, I would certainly I would certainly do that. Yeah. I would also add to the strawberry thing something that I've discovered this year is don't let one of your cats and next door's cat sleep on the strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> They're in like the sunniest, sun, well, one of the sunniest bits of the garden and the two cats had decided that that's the best place to sunbathe <laughs> now. So I've got strawberry plants with two cat-shaped earth holes just in the middle of them. I thought, oh, there were some really nice little flowers on those this year and then... Then that happened. Yeah, I, I, I sometimes have that problem in my garden. And one of the things I do is because um, I've got I, I share a garden with people with dogs, and sometimes I um, sometimes I just have to cut some some rose branches to put across when I when I'm planting out new you know new seedlings and things just to keep them off them mm-hmm. until they're big enough and hefty enough to resist being sat on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is about animals; they seem to know which thing you've pinned your hopes on and then <laughs> I think it's because it's probably because you plant things in the nicest warmest sunniest spot and it's uh, just yeah. happens to be where they've been sitting for the past few years <laughs> I'm sure they think they're helping <laughs> um so the final question this week is um from Lucy who emailed to us why might my cucumber plant only have produced three fruits do you have any tips for getting a better yield next year well again that's you know that's something there could be a few reasons for that um Cucumbers, you know, they 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 love they love a lot of water and sunshine, but they don't like it getting very dry. And and the possibility is that maybe at some point, and we did have a, some dry spells this year. You know, they might have be, become stressed at some points and stop producing flowers, mm. or you know, the, the the if they did have flowers, the, the stress could have stopped those flowers turning into fruit. Um, actually, that's 
it's particularly common when people grow cucumber in in containers or grow bags because you know they dry out a lot quicker so I would just say, you know, make sure you make sure you water them really well. Um, find if you if you're if you're growing them indoors, you know, make that's even more important that you water them really well, obviously. Um, and and they they do love a sort of really humid growing environment, so mm-hmm. yeah. you know they, they they do need to be kept warm and warm and wet, really. Um, outdoors, you know, like like most things, is it's it's less difficult. Well, you know, it, it, there's there's less there's less watering needed, and cucumbers tend to be less fussy and and, and also less prone to diseases and pests. But um, I think it, you know it's difficult to be absolutely sure with this one. But I I, I just think you know in, in answer what what how can you help make things better next year? I think it really is just keeping them you know well watered. Yeah. Well, thank you, Simon. That's great. Thanks for answering the questions again. And we look forward to speaking to you again the week after next. Um, In the meantime, Blake, shall we grab a cuppa? Let's do that. This mini-series of The Dirt is in association with the National Trust. The National Trust is a conservation charity founded in 1895 by three people, Octavia Hill, Sir Robert Hunter and Hardwick Rawnsley, who saw the importance of the nation's heritage and open spaces and wanted to preserve them for everyone to enjoy. This year, the charity celebrates its 125th anniversary and these values are still at the heart of everything it does. To help mark this significant moment in its history, the Trust has committed to achieving a net zero carbon emissions by 2030 and establishing 20 million trees to help tackle climate change. Entirely independent of the government, the National Trust looks after more than 250,000 hectares of countryside, 780 miles of coastline and hundreds of special places all across England, Wales and Northern Ireland. As Europe's largest conservation charity, the National Trust receives around 27 million visits each year to the places it cares for that have an entry fee, and an estimated 100 million visits to the outdoor places looked after by the charity. Together with 5.6 million members and more than 65,000 volunteers, these visitors help to support the conservation charity in its vital work. The National Trust is delighted to offer the Dirt listeners a 10% discount on its online shop where you'll find loads of gardening tools and accessories as well as books, stationery, clothes, toys, food and drink and much more. Simply use the code NTGROW10 at the checkout when you visit nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash shop until the end of the year. That's ntgrow one zero, and you can check out the episode notes for full details and terms. All income generated through the online shop supports the work the National Trust does to care for nature, beauty, and history for everyone forever. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi. Hello. Good. How are you? Well, I'm fine. But what I would like to know is, are you ready? For another section of What on Earth? Yes. Yes. What on Earth is this section again, Laura? (laughs) (laughs) Well, What on Earth is the section where we have asked some questions 
in the last episode and we've had some feedback from listeners with their own stories and I've actually had a really good one sent in via email um so I will read that to you now I've had an email from Louise who saw our post on Twitter about um, the gardening injury stories and she's shared her own. Her email says, Back in late September, I was moving plants in the garden, one of which was a tree hydrangea. As I tried to lift it, I noticed it was stinging me, so I went to put some gloves on and carried on. Later that afternoon, I noticed a rash, so I used antihistamine cream and took a tablet. A week or so passed, during which time it started to itch quite insanely with no signs of improvement. I contacted the doctor who put me on some cream. My hand then started to swell up and be quite painful. I was put on another lot of cream. In fact, in total, I've had three lots of cream and two lots of antibiotics. The swelling has now gone down and the pain has gone, but it's still quite itchy at times and I still have a rash elsewhere. I've now been referred to dermatology. Have you heard of anyone else reacting to hydrangea like this? I have a shrub one and regularly prune it with no problem. Oh gosh, poor lady. So, I don't know if you've ever heard of this before. No. No. Well, I don't know if any listeners, if you've ever had any rashes from tree hydrangeas, but that sounds really nasty. Like a sort of ongoing garden injury. I think it's really interesting that um, Louise has said that she's been pruning with no problem before and yeah it's suddenly become yeah. a problem yeah that's really strange it makes you wonder if there's maybe a type of sap I don't know if they have sap a type of sap in in that particular variety that's mm. maybe an irritant or something mm. but if anyone who's listening has had any experience of this or knows anything about it do do get in touch I think the trouble with plants as well is that everyone's skin reacts differently to them mm. and one person might you know, not have any problem and then someone else might have a really nasty reaction so mm. yeah if there's anyone else who's had a similar experience it might be nice for her to know that she's not alone on that front no definitely sometimes plants will say they'll have like a little warning symbol on them or sign yeah. on them to say you know might cause rashes or irri- be irritable to skin but um you just kind of don't think that i don't know no it's, it's gonna be you do you it's a dangerous yeah. world out there in the garden and Rose, don't you have an injury story as well that's been sent in? Yes, I do. Um, this was on Twitter. Uh, a lovely lady named Linda sent this in um, and described something that I think we've all probably experienced at some point or other in the garden or anywhere else. Ooh. She said, during lockdown, I knelt on my garden chair to reach a plant I was watering. Unfortunately, it was rotten as it had been out in the rain. Uh-oh. I felt oh, myself no. falling but ended up on my back in the flower bed with a with the chair on top of me. And she said, Hobby laughed. So oh, someone got no. got some good laughs out of it, but I'm oh. sure she wasn't laughing. Oh my goodness, yeah. yeah. Oh, that can be so painful though. That's one of those things where you can look back and laugh, yeah. but at the time, It was probably funny. quite painful if you've landed on, <laughs> yeah. your, on your bum on the ground. I think as well as breaking, they can have the habit of like folding up on you as well, can't they? And getting yeah. like mm. snapped in the joints of the chair. that's the trouble with garden furniture though is that it does get rotten and then you don't really notice it and you just go sit down and then you're like oh halfway through the chair (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's so true that is so true and has actually made me think maybe I'll try and get my garden furniture in the shed 
this evening. Oh yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to repeat Linda's story. To don't yourself. go no. leaving it out over winter, Laura. It's not worth it. No, You've got to look after your your yeah. stuff. Linda, we will learn from you. I have a story um, that got sent in to me that made me laugh a little bit. And it's not an injury one, actually. This was when we were talking about sabotage. Yeah. Sabotage sounds really harsh, doesn't it? Like somebody <laughs> went out of their way to purposely, like, yeah. you know, spoil something. But um, this was from Rosie of Manchester who said that my little boy thought he'd be really sweet and pick me some flowers. So far, so good. Um, great, I thought, until he brought in all of my lovely courgette flowers. <gasps> They didn't make it into a vase, but luckily the plants still ended up producing more later in the season. I'm just imagining this little boy coming in with this like (laughs) bouquet of courgette flowers, (laughs) really chuffed with himself. But you can't tell them them off though, because it's such a sweet gesture. Yeah. You can't be like, have shouted them or anything, even though inside you must be like, oh, I do. I remember hearing actually a similar thing. Um, I can't remember where I heard, I think it might've been on a podcast or something um someone saying that their child went outside and dug up all of their garden bulbs because they thought that they were onions oh. and then brought them inside and was like Easy why are there loads of onions and then yeah. they're just like oh i just planted all of those oh. <laughs> they're trying well to i mean i suppose on on both fronts it sort of depends on the situation because the courgette flowers i suppose could still be eaten yes i've still never eaten them like that but i want to i suppose also with the flower bulbs not so much if they're flower bulbs but you could get lucky and it could be something like a daily tuber Mm. then you can still eat that i don't know why i'm so obsessed with just being able to eat everything all the time i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's so on brand Louis. like we are grow your own (laughs) yeah we're talking about eating things from the garden (laughs) this can be saved if you can still eat it that's my general life method but that can be that can be tied in to the hidden harvests can't it so Yes. yes it might be a sabotage but it's also a hidden harvest so they do kind of go together so Oh, I have a new hidden harvest for you both, actually, which was that um, when I went to my nan's at the weekend, um, her blackberry bush had like thrown out, I don't know, a a new little one had seeded nearby, I guess. Um, And so she got me to dig it up and we put it in a little pot. And hopefully we're hoping we'll have a second bush next year. So that's great. We're hoping for some extra surprise harvest from that. Yay. That's a brilliant one. I just love a free plant. I'm like, yes. Oh, same. Come on. Same. Didn't so even have same. to go to the garden centre and buy this, and we're going to get some more fruit off of it next year, hopefully. Lovely. Um. So next time we're going to have some more questions, right? So yes, what have we, got? we are. Well, we'd like to know what is your earliest gardening memory. Also. Um, are there any of those gardening jobs that you put off and put off all through the year and what they are and then how you eventually motivate yourself to do them? Mm. And also, do you have any amazing DIY garden tools that you've made for yourself from other items? So do either of you have any answers to these? Uh, mm. I always just pick up and use things that aren't actually a gardening tool to do stuff in the garden with just because I'm like, can I be off to walk all the way over there to the shed? No, I'll just use this thing that's right next to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, they never really stick. I, I, they probably don't do the job as well, usually as well. It's like having kitchen scissors. Like It's not actually a garden <laughs> yeah. tool, yeah. but it, it's like used in the garden. I think I've, I might have said this before, but 
it's a thing in our house when no one knows where the kitchen scissors are and then it's like someone shouting where are the scissors and they're always in the garden yeah and it's just like for god's sake like what but i feel like they are that's an example of something you're just like using even though it's not supposed to be in the garden i'll be interested to hear about the the tasks that people are putting off as well and how they get around doing those tasks that they don't really like doing like do they just rope somebody else in to do them you know or are they just putting them off until right near the end of the season and then getting them done or do they just like me and Laura we're pinching our tomatoes just (laughs) don't get around to doing it at all well I would tell you what another one of mine is and it's very appropriate at this time of year I really hate taking plants out at the end of the season yes (laughs) I really hate it because I feel like Although it's nice to have a clean slate and do some overwintering things or green manures and, you know, move forward well into the next year. But I always think the the part of the year where you're so excited and putting everything in the ground and it's all new and fresh and the potential of the season is ahead of you is so lovely. And then you get to this bit where it's a bit like, hmm, so we need to start taking things out. And I'm quite embarrassed to say that my tactic for that tends to be leave it until all of the plants just look so unbearably miserable that I can't, you can't take put it, it off any longer yeah. <laughs> but, um, snap I do that as well <laughs> but I've finally done mine and yeah. I feel so much better for doing it now yeah, is that same. everything looks tidy I feel like okay I'm ready for winter and then I'll be ready to start again in the new year yeah. so it is it is worth doing if you're putting those things off do get them done because you'll feel better for it, I think. Well, and also for regular podcast listeners who are probably wondering what on earth has happened because they haven't heard this word for a little while. (laughs) Um, My other task that I put off a lot that will be happening one weekend soon um, is the pruning of Figgy. Bing, bing, bing. Laura, grow your own. The dirt, bingo. The dirt, bingo. Everybody cross off fig tree. (laughs) Mark your card, everybody. It's happened. (laughs) I I definitely think that clearing garden waste is also going to be someone's one because I feel like everyone's got um, one of those big white bags in their gardens you know the huge ones that you're supposed to like take to the dump at some point but no one ever does yeah that's full of plant debris and everyone's like oh we'll take it to the dump like next weekend it just never gets to the dump it just like lives in the garden (laughs) that's what happens in our garden it's just like it's just full of you just people keep adding to it and it's like we need to get rid of all of this (laughs) rubbish which is just accumulated use the argument that is it a type of compost heap at this point yeah that is very <laughs> true <laughs> yeah that is true well we would absolutely love to hear your answers to those questions so do get in touch on our social media platforms and let us know and we might read yours out next episode well you can email us too can't you at uh, the dirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk you can um, if you want to drop us an email yeah and we'll pop a reminder about what those questions are up on the socials as well so yeah we'd love to hear from you um and i think blake you have a garden checklist for us but before we go over to that i think we just need to say this is actually going to be rosa's last episode of the dirt as she leaves for plots anew (laughs) so rose we will miss you so very much. Um, and please still send your send your question answers I in. I will. I'll still I'll still be listening. I'll still be a, a 
big fan, so I haven't gone away anywhere. Oh, I'm just going to cry in the yeah, corner. So oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, not really. I'm going to do it on Friday. If you don't fancy digging your carrots out of frozen soil, you can lift them and store them in boxes of damp sand until you need them. Don't do this with parsnips though, they tend to taste better when they've had a frosting. If you don't have a greenhouse heater, it's a good idea to lift your plants off of the floor and into the middle of the greenhouse. This gives them a better chance of surviving the winter chills. If you have any tender plants, such as citrus trees, these should be moved under cover now. And depending on your location, borderline crops can get through in a sheltered spot outside if you can't move them indoors. We'll be back soon with more from Simon, but until then, happy growing. Thanks again for listening to this mini-series of The Dirt. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to spread the word at your allotment site. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for the dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's G-P-O-D and the number seven, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote GPOD7 to receive seven issues of Grow Your Own straight to your door for just $29.99. That's a saving of $11.94. Every issue is packed with gardening advice, expert tips and tricks and jobs to tick off your list. And each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And a final exciting note, keep an eye on our social media platforms to see the questions we'll be discussing in next episode's What on Earth section. Reply with your answers and you could appear on the show. The weirder and wackier the better.